Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am joined today by ESPN's Nick Wagner, my friend, my colleague, someone I look up to so much, who knows so much about football and the San Francisco 49ers, and I'm really excited to have him here today. And how is that for an intro? It was it was more than I expected and more <laughs> than I deserved. And uh, but I, I am very very thrilled to be on the very aptly named Tracy Sandler show, uh, and creatively named for that matter. So it's it's always good to be here. I appreciate. it. We like to be on brand. People should know what they're getting. So when they come to the Tracy Sandler show, they know going to get a lot of Tracy Sandler. So. That's exciting. But today, they're going to get a lot more Nick Wagner because you're my guest and we want to hear what you have to say. So Nick and I covered a very exciting game on Sunday uh, between the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers, a game in which the 49ers were down 17-0 uh, midway through the second quarter and things were looking like time to pack up for the season. Then things turned around dramatically. They got a field goal. They got those three points before the half, which were huge. And the next thing you know, they were absolutely rolling. Nick, what did you see yesterday from San Francisco? And what do you think it means for them as they continue n- now into the playoffs? Yeah, it's it's interesting, Tracy, because what we saw yesterday was a lot of similar things to what we've seen throughout the season, but they haven't always been able to get over the hump and get the job done. Um, they've done that more certainly over the last half of the season. In the first half of the season, they weren't. And that's that's the kind of thing, you know, when they were sitting there at three and five and they had lost to Arizona um, to the JV Arizona team, no less. <laughs> and everyone was kind of writing them off. And even I was like, man, you know, if this is, if this is who they are, then this season's not going anywhere. But in the back of your mind, you're still kind of thinking, you know, they took the Packers down to the wire. They were there with Arizona when Arizona was undefeated the first time that they played them. You know, they had all these games, the Seattle, the first Seattle game, all these games that they just weren't winning that were really close and they couldn't get it done. You th- tend to think that over the course of a season, that stuff's going to normalize. Unless you're just not a good team. And I, I never really thought like, oh, the Niners aren't good. Or or that I put, put it better, that the Niners are bad, right? Um, you know, I, I still, you know, how good they are, I think, is still up in the air. But they're good enough to be in the playoffs. They won 10 games. You have to take your hat off for that. So really, I thought we what we saw over the second half of the season was a team that was kind of building to this moment in a lot of ways. And, you know, they did get the win in Cincinnati, which I think you gave them the confidence like, hey, you know, they they can do this in these types of moments. And then yesterday was just kind of like the, the capper to all that. And I was asking guys after the game, a couple like questions of like, did this feel like it was a fitting way for you guys to get into the playoffs? Because it just felt like the entire 2021 49ers experience in one game boiled into that one game. And they were able to get over the hump and get the job done. So I, I think their toughness, which I've never questioned, and, and the heart and, and some of the things that they've done in terms of sticking together, that was never really in doubt. But it was really more about can they you know, turn all of that into a win in a game that really matters. And they did it in, in fashion that was just really exciting and, and interesting to watch. It was. And probably, I think, one of the best games I've ever covered. So one of the best games I've ever been in. Probably one of the best games I've ever covered, though, that New Orleans game in 2019 was pretty spectacular, uh, and the, and that Seattle game in 2019. So we've been we've been lucky, very lucky. In last, we've also seen some pretty awful games. So I guess it balances out. But going back to something you said earlier about how you never thought they were a bad team or that they weren't good, 
I always felt like there's too much talent on this team for this to be happening. So at some point that had to balance out. And going back to something that Kyle Shanahan, I'm having trouble saying his name, but Kyle Shanahan said earlier in the season was that a good coach is really judged by getting his A players to play like A players. Getting guys from C to B is not that hard, but getting guys to play like they're A players. And yesterday, when it mattered, their A players played like A players. And some of those players, I wouldn't necessarily put in, in C category, but maybe in B category, maybe in C category, really did <laughs> really did step up. Well, I'm going to say that maybe wide receiver Juwan Jennings is going from a B player to an A player. I'm going to say you have... This is no offense to Colton McKivitz, but who really had it? I don't think he played a snap the entire season. He's an eye player, incomplete. You <laughs> don't even know what he is. That's you don't because he had to play a snap all season, right. and he's in there for Trent Williams and did a you know pr- did a pretty decent job. So I, I think we saw a lot of that as well. Yeah, I think I think to your point, Tracy, that was I, that was the biggest issue at the beginning of the year is because I've written about this a couple times. You look at the the roster composition of this team after they went to the Super Bowl. It got to a point where the top guys all got paid, right? And you, you, can't mm-hmm. blame, you can't blame them for paying George Kittle and Fred Warner and Trent Williams. All the guys that have gotten paid, those guys are deserving of those contracts. But what happens when you do that, your roster gets a little top-heavy, and you get to that point where you've got to get those guys have to carry the freight for your team because you don't have enough cap space for that middle class of the roster. You don't have the seven, eight, nine million dollar a year guys. It's either 15-plus or it's like five and less kind of thing. And you, you're maybe a couple in between, but not much. So that was really the key to them kind of turning their season around. And then I think what happened here towards the end of the season and what you saw yesterday to what you're referring to when you talk about, you know, I don't want to necessarily put grades on them, but the guys who aren't expected to carry the freight for the team, they've gotten better. And that was the other part of the thing, the other part of the equation that has to happen to become a good team so that you're balanced and it's not just the guys who are carrying the most of the load, but they're getting that help from from the guys who are young and can potentially turn into those types of players. Uh, and you mentioned some of them. Ambry Thomas with the interception was was very fitting in, in some ways. And, you know, even a Tom Compton, who I admittedly have been hard on, and has, has played pretty well down the stretch here and held up well yesterday. Robbie Gold, who is a highly paid guy relative to his position, but doing all the things that he did yesterday, you know, kickoffs and punts and, uh, you know, field goals and all that stuff. And and even Kyle Juszczyk, you know, who, who I think is an A player, certainly for his position, um, coming in and holding, like all those contributions up and down the roster. And that's how you get from, you know, a, a, a mediocre or above, you know, slightly above average team to a good team where it's, it's just, it becomes kind of contagious almost where all those guys who aren't those A players, they want to become that. And that's when your team can kind of take off and take another step in the right direction. And I don't know if they're quite there, but they certainly look more like a team headed in that direction than one headed the opposite direction. This team gives new meaning to next man up. Like literally, Mitch Wisnowski leaves with a concussion. And yes, you have Robbie Gold punting. Kyle Juszczyk is holding. Like, I mean, this team really does give new meaning to that. And they certainly did yesterday. You mentioned uh, Ambry Thomas, who I actually shockingly had not mentioned yet because he went to the University of Michigan. And so, as you know, he is my absolute favorite because go blue. Uh, but you mentioned Amory Thomas, and I think in a lot of ways, he's kind of one of the greatest stories, and I'm not just being biased here of all of them, but when he had to start You're not coming just in, being biased. You're yes, being not just, biased. I'm being biased, but I'm not right. just being biased. Right. I'm going I'm to back my bias up with fact, <laughs> but I will readily admit that I'm very biased towards Amory Thomas, and I feel totally fine with that. Yeah. Totally. 
Self I don't think awareness it, is good. We're all there. We're <laughs> I think self awareness is good. I actually shameless plug tweeted his five fun facts day and said, "Big Ambry Thomas fangirl over here." Like I'm not. I'm not hiding it. This is just. It's, it's fine. He went to Michigan. Right. I mean, obviously, it. he's a great human um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> you guys can't see, but Nick is making faces that would leave, that maybe would make feel like he doesn't just say that just because they went to Michigan. But anyways, we are digressing. When Amory Thomas stepped in for Emmanuel Mosley at quarter, when, when Emmanuel Mosley went down with a high ankle sprain, he had played 20 defensive snaps in his career. He had not played football in quite some time because he had opted out in 2020. So really the strides that he has made and that on Sunday, Emmanuel Mosley was back and it was not Josh Norman starting at corner. Not that that was a big shock because he did get benched in the previous week and things were not looking great for him, but they went to the rookie and Kyle Shanahan said yesterday, I asked him about Ambry and he said he made a believer out of him and he didn't think he would have with the way he started. And though that was harsh, that was fact. And so, so obviously Kyle, obviously Kyle Shanahan shares my bias. It's totally cool. Um, but I think that that's a huge deal. And I think that's a great story. And I think Jimmy Ward said after the game in an interview that Ambry Thomas was going to be a star. And so I think this is somebody that will be interesting to watch, but it's, I think it's one of the greatest stories of the game. And then the game stealing interception, especially because the last several weeks we've seen him almost have an interception, I think every single week. And this time he did it. Against well, yeah, that's the thing with him. It's just been such a steady progression. Um, and I, I, maybe steady is not even the right word because, it's steady over the course of the year, but not steady over the course of the last five weeks or so. But mm-hmm. you know, in week one, the and week one, I mean, week one of like the Ambry Thomas era, so to speak. It was, oh, I love that he has an era. Uh, I don't. I should have said that, <laughs> especially when it comes to him. But but the, but, but, the, but when he became a starter, the first week it was like eh, he's not even really that close. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's he's getting he's getting beat pretty frequently, and he's you know not that close and. To some really bad penalties. Yeah, and, and against good players, though. To be fair, Jamar yeah. Smith and Joe. Bar- I mean, you know that you can't you can't hold that against him. And then the next week, it was like, okay, he's still getting beat, but he's a little closer. And mm-hmm. then the week after that, it was like, oh, he's still getting beat, but not as frequently. And then mm-hmm. it, and then it transformed into okay, he's made a couple of plays now, and mm-hmm. still getting beat a little bit, but he made a couple of plays. And then yesterday, you saw again. He made the big play. He was he was able to kind of come through, and you know he he didn't necessarily make a ton of plays, but and he got beat. He did get beat. That's he still going to continue to happen. I mean, any corner that's going to happen too. Um, but I think for the for the Niners, his ascension has been important. Um, and I don't want to overplay it because he's got a long way to go still. But if he can become a guy who is a long term option for them as a starting mm-hmm. corner, it would be a huge thing for not just this this year's team. But for the future, because I still sit here and say that is their biggest need going into the offseason. I mm-hmm. still believe that. I'm not quite ready to say, oh, they need to just hand it over to Ambry Thomas and Emmanuel Mosley and go. But Agreed. I, but, <laughs> but I do think that the fact that he and Emmanuel Mosley both have established themselves as real options moving forward could be really big for the Niners because they're going to have a limited amount of cap space to spend this offseason relative to how many free agents they have. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have a lot of holes to fill. So if they can feel more comfortable with a guy like that as a potential starter – which I think is, is the fair thing to call it right now, then I think it puts them in a much better position. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And I do even agree that he has a long way to go, despite my bias. So you're welcome. Uh, so on Sunday, they were without left tackle Trent Williams. Kyle Shanahan said today that they're hoping with seven more days, his elbow will be healed for next week. Not expecting him to practice on uh, practice on Wednesday 
But I bring that up because I want to start looking ahead to the Dallas game. Though we did not talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, but I think we can talk about him, you know, in terms of this game and and his performance on Sunday and and what it will mean for this coming Sunday. So now they head to Dallas. They're, They're in the wild card round. They're playing a team that has been pretty spectacular on defense, has been inconsistent on offense. But I know you and I have talked about this before. You do feel like the 49ers match up well. Please share your thoughts. On the matchup or on Trent Williams? <laughs> I see how that was confusing. Confusing. <laughs> uh, let's actually start with Trent Williams because I really, I mean, I think that's very much a key to to this matchup. Sure, yeah, it, it, it does. It does tie in for sure. And and I mean, Trent Williams is, I would argue, at least from week to week, probably been the Niners' best player this year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, you can't really quantify that uh, unless you just want to buy into you know Pro Football Focus grades, and then by all means, you can you can quantify it that <laughs> right. way. But regardless, he's he's been he's been really outstanding, and um, they did miss him yesterday. And there were some key moments. That, you know, there was a Von Miller sack late in that game where Colton McKivitz got beat. And again, you can't hold that against Colton McKivitz. You expect that to happen at some point, particularly against a guy like Von Miller. But with Trent Williams, it's it's just all encompassing what he brings to the table. It's not just oh, he's a great pass protector. He's you know he's a road grader in the run game and all the different things that he can do. Um, you know, you hear Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan talk about you know, plays that they can draw up because he's so athletic and so good. Like they're actually designing plays around a left tackle, which is just a wild concept to really think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so all of those things that, that make him so unique, one of one, as a lot of his teammates say about him, that you've got to have him. And so I think he's probably going to be ready. It's hard to say because we didn't see him work out, but the fact that he did work out yesterday and at least gave it a go means mm-hmm. he was close. You've got to think those seven days will give him a much better chance. And, I spin that into how they match up with the Cowboys because I think the Niners have a chance that this is a team they can run the ball against. Uh, the Cowboys have a lot of a lot of pass rush ability. You want to stay out of third and long against them. I, I'm just kind of just now digging into them. I haven't watched a ton, but I do think this is a favorable matchup. I don't think that the Cowboys are a super physical team, at least as physical as the 49ers. I do mm-hmm. think they're physical, but um, I, I think there's a lot of similarities in these two teams. Um, but the other thing with the Cowboys is they got a lot of playmakers on their defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Trayvon Diggs, certainly with all the interceptions, Micah Parsons has been unbelievable as a rookie. They have Demarcus Lawrence as a pass rusher. They got a couple of pass rushers who are really good outside of Parsons. So it's a, it's a tough matchup. And if you can have Trent Williams, certainly to at least slow down, you know, whoever it is, whether it's Lawrence Parsons, whoever's rushing from his side, um, it can give you an opportunity to kind of send resources elsewhere and mm-hmm. maybe slow some things down that way. Trayvon Diggs is an interesting player because, yes, he has all those interceptions, but he's also given up the mm-hmm. most yards of any corner in the league. So essentially, if you can not throw an interception to him, you have a good chance of big gains against him. Absolutely. And one of the things I think that is really fascinating about the matchup with him in particular is that we know that Jimmy has a tendency every once in a while to throw some picks and, and bad picks. Mm-hmm. Really they're not to the corners. They're usually over the middle. Yes. It's a you know, overthrow to a safety or it's a linebacker dropping back that he throws it to. I tend to think, and this is just my initial like gut reaction off of what I know about the Cowboys and how Kyle Shanahan operates. I think Kyle Shanahan might view Trayvon Diggs as a favorable matchup for the 49ers. And, I agree. And I say that not just because he's given up big plays, but because of how he gives up big plays. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan's offense is so built on eye candy where he wants to make you follow the shiny object and then the ball's going the other direction. Mm-hmm. That, that's the kind of player who 
He's going to take some chances. He's going to try to jump some routes and things like that. And that's where you can get into trouble. So I think that's a really, really big, at least as we sit here right now, matchup to watch is whoever is lined up over him and the way Kyle Shanahan tries to maybe manipulate things against a player like that that could create some big plays. So let's talk a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo. You brought up the picks of which he did throw two on Sunday. Uh, One of them almost looked like it was going to be the game changer and not the 49ers favor, but they did bounce back. That being said, when push came to shove and, and at the end there, he marched him right down the field, got him into overtime, marched him down the field in overtime. They won the game. And I would say, I don't want to be uh, dramatic here, but the game was in Los Angeles and I live in LA. So, you know, we're big into Hollywood, but I would say it was a career defining moment for him. And I think it was a career defining moment. We've seen him make those kind of plays. We've seen him do it before. I, I mentioned the New Orleans game already. Talked about the Seattle game. But yesterday was a day where he had a brace on his right thumb, yep. where he has a a fracture and a, and a torn ligament. You know, everyone's been essentially calling for his head all season long. Start the rookie, start Trey Lance, et cetera, et cetera. And I think he's done about as good a job of anybody of, you know, knocking all that noise out. But it was an, a pretty impressive performance. And I do feel it was somewhat career-defining and defining, and for the 49ers should give them, in theory, a lot of confidence going to the playoffs. Yeah, I think um, when I look at it, I was I wrote about this for tomorrow, actually, about Jimmy. and, and Well, and, actually, for today, because this will be on Tuesday. So oh, you guys, after you listen to this podcast, make sure to go check out Nick's article. Right, yes. And then the next day, go back and check out the Trent Williams piece I have coming this week also. but uh, You guys have a lot to do. We're doing shameless, we're doing shameless <laughs> plugs. I'm just picking up on your lead, Tracy, so... Uh, no, I, I, I do have a show called the Tracy Sandler show. So, right. Well, exactly. So I'm just trying to fit in where I can, but, uh, <laughs> in Jimmy's case, like I was thinking about this, he's had bigger games, like statistically he's had bigger mm-hmm. games. Um, he's even played in bigger games, games with yeah. bigger stakes. And that's saying something, cause there was a lot of stakes yesterday, yeah. but the actual moment for all the reasons that you just laid out the trait, you know, everyone calling for Trey Lance, the fact that he's banged up and playing through a thumb injury that you know some players don't get back four to six weeks from, uh, that the playoffs are on the – all of those things, when you put them in the pot and you just figure out, like, what does this moment mean for not only this team, it's a defining moment for their season as, as a whole team, but mm-hmm. also for his career. Th- think of it this way. At any given point in the fourth quarter there, Jimmy Garoppolo could have thrown his last pass as a 49er. Mm-hmm. And, and when you think of it in terms of that – and what he was able to do after he threw that interception to Jalen Ramsey, which was a bad throw and a bad decision and a great play by Jalen Ramsey all, all at the same time, all that could be true. He was 8 for 11 for 129 yards, the, a touch, a, the game-tying touchdown, and took them to the game-winning field goal after that interception. 8 for 11, 129. That's the kind of thing that, you know, he's done that. He's had a, a knack for that in his time mm-hmm. with the 49ers bouncing back from interceptions. But to do it with those circumstances, I think it was Jimmy Garoppolo's finest moment as a 49er. And again, I'm not sitting here saying this makes him a top 10 quarterback in the league. I'm not sitting here saying that the Niners need to rethink what they're going to do in the offseason. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying any of that. But he's put himself in a position now, going into the playoffs in particular, where he can make this a major win-win for everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think he's done that to some extent already. But when I say that, I mean he can set it up so that his trade value becomes much greater. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think the Niners are going to get a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think that he could put it into that second-round range or at least like mm-hmm. a conditional second-round range and maybe something else, which is great for the 49ers, right? Part of the reason mm-hmm. that they hung on to him. He could put himself in a position to get a nice contract extension 
mm-hmm. wherever he might land next. Um, so again, a win-win scenario. He's got to go out and win a playoff game. I think that would be, a, you know, so, I mean, he's done it obviously, but a playoff game where he has to play a bigger, more significant role. If he mm-hmm. can do that, and I think that's going to be their more, more their reality. They're not going to be able to do like they did against Minnesota and and Green Bay in 2019. This is a different team. They're not that dominant on defense or in the run game. Mm-hmm. But if he can do that, it would be a win-win scenario for everybody. And really, at the end of the day, if he somehow does lead them to a Super Bowl again, then you're having a whole different conversation where it's – then you do have to start to talking about like, well, what's – what do we do here? Um, because mm-hmm. then he's been to two Super Bowls in three years, and that would be hard to say. Again, that's way – getting way, way ahead. And I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm just saying that he's at least given himself a chance to continue changing what the narrative around Jimmy Garoppolo is. And for the Niners, that's a good thing. And for Jimmy Garoppolo, that's a good thing. So we obviously talked about Ambry Thomas. Let's take a look at the rest of the 49ers defense and how they match up against the Cowboys. And of course, we are very early in the week and we'll probably both uh, elaborate on this in different places uh, throughout the week, if that made any sense whatsoever. You'll write on it more. I'll write on it. I have another podcast this week, but you're here right now. Where do you brag, Tracy? <laughs> Well, the Tracy Sandler show is twice a week. Just (laughs) FYI, everybody is listening. (laughs) Come out Tuesdays and Fridays. Please don't miss it. Anywho, I digress. (laughs) That that wasn't even a a humble brag. That was a full-on just, again, promotion. But that's fine. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so you have an inconsistent Dallas offense. uh, And you look at this 49ers defense, who obviously has Nick Bosa, who has Fred Warner. Uh, who has Dre Greenlaw, who may want to take it down a notch next week and not get penalized for face masks and maybe like suplexing. Is that how you say it? Suplexing? Suplexing Suplexing and also leading with his head with a tackle. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a few things, but uh, but you got to appreciate the intensity. They may get Aziz Alshair back. So anyways, you know, this is is a 49ers defense that obviously has quite a bit of talent and, and is very good as well. Not as dominant as in 2019, but still obviously playing at a very high level. How do you see them matching up against this Dallas team? Because they may be inconsistent on offense, but they sure got a lot of weapons on offense as well. And when they play well, they're pretty hard to beat. Yeah, there's still a lot of talent there, obviously. And, and you know, the, it's Dak Prescott. It's it's very clear to see where the line is on when their offense was doing well and when it's not. It was after Dak Prescott came back from the injury. They just mm-hmm. haven't been as good. And, and they were good the other night, but that was the Eagles JV team. And so hard yeah. to kind of base much off that. But – to be fair, that's also an opportunity for them to get some confidence back, which I think mm-hmm. was part of the reason the Cowboys approached that game that way so that they could do that. The thing about the Cowboys is that they they have built a really good roster over the years, and they really used to in, in invest a ton of resources into their offensive line. And their offensive line was kind of their bread and butter. You know, they had Ezekiel Elliott running behind Tyron Smith and Travis Frederick and Zach Martin and all those guys, and Lyle Collins. They have all those, and most of those guys are still around, but they're, they're not the players that they – necessarily used to be and so I think the Niners do have a favorable matchup with their front four Uh, the way that they're rolling right now this is not quite the dominant group that they had in 2019 but if you look at some of the numbers it's not far off and Mm -hmm. they're getting production from all over all over that group where maybe Nick Bosa isn't racking up the sacks as much as he was but he was still dominant yesterday even though the numbers didn't show it Eric Armstead is playing really well. And actually, I think he's played well all year, um, yes. but just starting to recently kind of get some of the numbers to go with that. Yesterday, I think a career high, two and a half sacks, at least for a game. Arden Key has been outstanding. So um, that they, they are in a much better position to dominate and take over a game 
with their front four than they were, which gives D'Amico Ryan so many options in the back seven in terms of the way they disguise coverage and all that. And that's one of the things they've done really well over the back half of the season is disguising coverages and, and mixing things up so that opposing offenses don't know what's coming. And D'Amico Ryan's is pressing the right buttons. Even yesterday, you know, they gave up a couple touchdown passes on plays that they blitzed. And D'Amico didn't stop blitzing, but he was just kind of figuring out when was the right time to do it. And he was choosing the right spots after the front four started getting it rolling. So I think they match up better um, than, than even maybe the, the Niners offense does against the Cowboys defense. I, I expect it's probably going to be a close game. I haven't got far enough into Cowboys study just yet to have you know a prediction or anything like that. But I, I do think that at least up front where the Cowboys used to make their hay, they're not quite as dominant as they used to be. And the Niners aren't either. But right. the, the Niners are still in a really good spot to be able to win that matchup. And then we just have a fun storyline. I don't know fun is the right word. But you have Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the Niners, Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. Kyle Shanahan was Dan Quinn's offensive coordinator when Dan Quinn was the head coach in Atlanta. So that's just like a fun little wrinkle. I don't really have a lot to say on that. <laughs> I just like to sometimes throw out fun facts and no, tidbits. No. I know. I know you guys would know it. Fun facts, kind of a jam, but but I do think that's. I thought, uh, liked, I, I thought you preferred run of the mill facts, but uh, <laughs> just your classic store bought run of the mill stuff. But oh uh, no, I prefer my facts to be fun. All right, all right. Just as, and actually, this fact, it's a fun fact. It's also just a fact. Like Kyle Shanahan's a head coach and Dan Quinn's yeah, the defensive coordinator, but um, it's just it's just kind of a fact. But I think coaching. That being said, coaching will very much come into play in this game, and I do think the 49ers uh on the head coaching side of it at least have the better person at the helm. That, is that a nice way to say that? That felt like Mike McCarthy shade. Is that is that shade what Steve, first of all, I would like to give him props for his camel coat the other day. It was fantastic. Okay. Right. So and I would like to give him well, go ahead. <laughs> but, oh, I'm sorry, you broke up for a second. What you said? And now you're deflecting away from the question. So go ahead. <laughs> well well I was starting with that and then I'm not giving him shade. I actually do think Mike McCarthy is a is a good coach and, and can be a good coach. I just think Kyle Shanahan is a better coach. Okay. Fair enough. I, I do think, you know, one of the fun things about this, uh, did you say fun? I did say fun. It's not a fact. I guess it is. Oh, okay. kind of a fact, but, uh, <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, I'll let yeah. you continue. <laughs> but, well, it's, it's funny. Cause you know, the, the Cowboys and Niners was such a huge part of Kyle Shanahan's childhood. And I'm mm-hmm. roughly Kyle Shanahan's age, actually a little younger, uh, but roughly his age. And <laughs> I grew up, shade. I grew up, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, you know, I, I'm full fledged old man status now. But <laughs> I grew up in that. I grew up in that same era watching football like Kyle Shanahan did. Of course, you know, my dad wasn't the offensive coordinator for the 49ers at the time. What? Yeah, no, yeah, uh, more of a D1, you know, coordinator at that point. No, uh, but but that. It was one of the things I remember really well, too, was watching those Cowboys. And I didn't even have a vested interest. I didn't care who won when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm growing up in Illinois, and I just want to watch good football. And, and that's what it was. So it's fun to, It's fun that this is, like, the first time they've met since, I think, the 94 NFC mm-hmm. Championship game and in the playoffs. And I, I'm really interested to see how that plays out. And I think there's probably just a little extra motivation for Kyle there because he does remember it very, very vividly, maybe even more so than I expected him to. Yes, that's true. Nick asked about it today on our or yesterday on our conference call, and uh, he he gave quite a vivid answer. But I won't give it away because I imagine Nick's going to write on it. So then you guys can. Oh, read you can it. give it away. It's okay. Well, he just talked. He just talked in great detail about about watching those games, and he he 
just like about, he went year after year. And then he talked about that game in 1994. I mean, from saying, you know, Eric Davis starting out the game with a pick six. And then, I mean, he really remembered so many things about that game. And uh, clearly it's fresh in his mind. So I imagine beating the Cowboys would have even an extra oomph. And you guys, or I don't know if you guys know this, I like the word oomph, uh, but it would have even extra oomph for Kyle Shanahan. But ultimately, of course, he wants to win the game because, Otherwise, they're going home, which leads me to the next thing I want to discuss. Uh, a very kind of a brief, you know, cursory look at this NFC playoff field. You and I have personally talked about this a lot. It's an interesting field to me. You know how I feel on this, like so much parity. And I don't think any team is so much better than any other. And this to me seems like the most any given Sunday year, at least that I've seen in the NFL, certainly since I've been covering it and since I've been watching, which is a long time. So what do you kind of see, you know, happening over this next weekend? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I I definitely I have not sat and I've watched I think I've probably watched every team play at some point this year, whether, you know, studying other teams in advance of Niner games or just watching, you know, on on my couch or whatever on a on a Sunday or a bye week or whatever, or Thursday night game. I, I just haven't had that feeling of like any team like, oh, that's the team that you know, they're going to go all the way. And they're, I mean, there's certainly teams that are built to win the championship and, and win a Super Bowl. You know, you look at the the Chiefs, obviously they've been there. The The Packers have been there and Aaron Rodgers has been there. And so there's, there's teams with experience, Tom Brady, I mean, the ultimate example of it. And it's one of those things where like, you almost just, you kind of default to that, right? Like mm-hmm. if someone came to me and was like, you have to make a choice. And they might be doing it right now. There's sirens. I think <laughs> this is, something's happening right it's now. It's like the NFL police. Or maybe they're going to stop someone from putting a gun to my head and making me make that prediction. <laughs> Hopefully, but, but if someone did that, I would I would have to go with I would have to go with Tom Brady because that's just kind of the default mode, right? And right. The experience and the the talent that they have in Tampa, but the Bucks have looked vulnerable lately, and they've got injury mm-hmm. issues and all that. So this is truly one of those years where, to me, it feels like who is the healthiest. You know, the Niners are getting pretty healthy right now, so mm-hmm. you can't rule that that part out from them. Who is hot? The Niners are have been pretty hot. They won a seven and two over the last nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they're, they're coming in in a good spot. So I really think a lot of that, too, and, and this is always true, is it's very matchup oriented. Um, and, but, but when you look around the league, you just don't say, don't see that team that, oh, they check every single box. Mm-hmm. That uh, at least based on who they are. Now you can do that game if you want to talk about big picture. Like the Chiefs have the coach, the, the, they have the quarterback, they have the weapon, they, all that stuff. But if you look at it in terms of this year, within the scope of this season, and every season is an entity unto itself, mm-hmm. there's just not that one team that stands out. So I expect this weekend in particular, I think there's probably going to be two or three upsets. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see lower seeded teams win. Um, and and that's what's funny if you talk about like oh if it goes by the chalk, well. I don't even know what you would consider chalk, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, short of Pittsburgh upsetting Kansas city. There's not a single game that's on the slate this coming weekend. That would be surprising f- for an outcome for me. Um, you know, we talked about this, but it's kind of been in my head ever since, ever since we did. I, I, I kind of now after our conversation would not be shocked if the Eagles do some fun, find a way to beat the bucks. And And that's one of those things where like, I think the Bucks are better. Obviously, they have Tom Brady. They have a lot of things going their way, but that's the the Eagles are a physical team. I was very impressed with them back in week two. I remember talking, not to name drop, I was I remember talking to Joe Staley in the press box in week three, 
about that game, and we both were like, man, that Eagles team, like, they're not there yet, but they got a chance to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that team like that is super dangerous in the sense of, like, they're probably not going to go to the Super Bowl, but they're dangerous in a one-off because they can run the ball, they can play defense, but they also have a quarterback who's an X-factor. And mm-hmm. I was think back to, you know, the ultimate X-factor, like the first one I can remember is Michael Vick, right, with the Val- uh-huh. Falcons. And you never thought, like, oh, this is a team that has everything they need to win the Super Bowl. But, boy, I don't want to play that team in a postseason game. And I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is Michael Vick. Obviously, Michael Vick is a level unto himself in terms of an athlete. But Mm -hmm. uh, Hurts gives them that X factor where he can make plays happen with his legs. And if it's a slugfest and then you get down to the end and you need somebody to make a play, maybe he can make that play. And he's played in a lot of big games in college and all of those kinds of things. So that's kind of – that's kind of how I view it, and, and that's why I'm not, I'm sitting here saying like other than other than that Pittsburgh Chiefs game, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised by any outcome. I agree with you, and it's going to be an interesting weekend. Um, fun fact: the 49ers game is on Nickelodeon, which that was a fun game last year. So excited about that! We'll be at the game, so we won't get to watch on Nickelodeon. But I said this on Does Twitter, that mean and somebody I somebody gets slimed. What? I think so, and I would like to say I said this on Twitter, and I stand by it. I volunteer as tribute to be slimed. You be slimed? Yeah, I mean, I realize that they're not going to slime one of us, but if it comes well, to that, I'm down. Well, my favorite video of last year involved George Kittle winning the Nickelodeon. What, what I don't. What do they call it? The the MVP. The the Nickel. I don't know what. Whatever it was for the week uh, for his Bengals performance. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was presented to him by Alfredo Gutierrez, the international practice squad uh, tackle on the 49ers. And I just could not have enjoyed watching a video more than Alfredo Gutierrez being very enthusiastic and excited to present the award to George Kittle. And then when George Kittle asked him if he could slime him, Alfredo said yes without missing a beat and turned to the camera and gave a big thumbs up. And so I think he should be – and whoever gets slimed, Alfredo Gutierrez needs to be involved. That's all I have to say about it. That's totally fair. So I'm just saying if they're like we need one member of the media to volunteer to be slimed – your girl here is standing up being like, I volunteer as tribute. Let's do this. That's great because I would not volunteer. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen, so it doesn't really matter. But just know I'm down. So I'm just throwing that out there for anybody listening to the pod who's in charge of slime. <laughs> Nickelodeon, get at Tracy's. <laughs> yeah, at, at Nickelodeon. <laughs> Looking to be slime. Just think that'd be fun. All right, well, before I let you go, and this has been an awesome conversation, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. We have to do – Good Goat, Bad Goat of the Week to our new listeners. And there may be some of you, as this is a relatively new podcast. The goat of a game used to not be the greatest of all time. The goat of a game used to be the person that kind of lost the game for you. So it didn't always have a positive connotation. Now, obviously, we have greatest of all time. So we're playing with that every week. And we do a Good Goat, Bad Goat of the Week. And uh, Nick, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, I can go first. Do you want me to do bad first? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, get the bad news. I, I'm going to go with Stephen Ross, who is the owner mm-hmm. of the Miami Dolphins. And I know mm-hmm. you're probably happy with him. He might be one of your good goats because he came out and said that he doesn't uh, he doesn't want to be the guy to take Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. Um, and so appreciate that, so, but I but, agree with you. <laughs> but I give him bad goat for firing Brian Flores. That job should not be open. The job Brian Flores did this year – and you can say what you want about the Dolphins' schedule. They can mm-hmm. only play who's in front of them. But the way they rebounded and and Brian Flores was in a position to, I think, take that team to the next level. They needed some more talent, but they they have a, a high draft pick, or at least they have mm-hmm. another draft pick this year. I, I guess they don't have a high draft pick. They traded it away. But 
they do have the Niners draft pick, I believe. Yes. And so uh, I just think that that it was one of those situations where a little bit of patience is needed. And you start to look at things and wonder why certain coaches get patience and certain coaches don't. And um, I think in Brian Flores' case, it was it was earned. And I think that that ship was headed in the right direction. And so um, I was I was disappointed and surprised to see that Dolphins job open today. And I could not agree with you more. And this is how bad teams stay bad. They keep making these kind of decisions. So now you're going to bring someone else in and, you know, who knows. But I do think this is how bad teams stay bad is when they continue to to make these types of decisions. So I could not agree with you more on that. Uh, My bad goat of the week is Sean McVay, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, who ran into the end zone to celebrate with his players when they went up big on the 49ers. First of all, that's just like kind of classless and poor form because you are the head coach of a football team and that's not what you do. Second of all, if you're going to do it, then maybe make sure you don't then blow that 17-point lead and lose in overtime for the sixth straight time to San Francisco and now uh, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan believes is 7-3 and against the Rams and they're 6-0. and I, in their six games. I think yeah. I think the Rams got outscored twenty-seven to seven after Sean McVay visited the end zone. You're right, they did, and yeah. that, my friends, is embarrassing. They definitely did because they were up. I think set, they were up seventeen nothing at that point, and then they ended up losing twenty-seven to twenty-four. So they did get outscored twenty-seven to seven, and I just think it's kind of it's also just kind of classless and like kind of grow up, not kind of grow up. Yeah, yeah, I I don't, you know, I'm not as pressed about it as some people are, but I definitely feel like uh, Sean McVay, I think Kyle Shanahan has carved out a nice little, like, place to camp out in his head, and Mm -hmm. um, I think he was very excited about the the possibility of finally maybe getting that removed, and it it actually turned out worse for him because of all the losses, that one is going to be the one that stings the most, even though they still won the division, everything worked out okay. It was the first time a Sean McVay team lost after having a halftime lead since 2017 when he took over as head coach. 45-1 and one now in those games. Wow, that's that's amazing. All right, who's your good goat? Mm, see, I didn't think about this long enough. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't give you a lot of lead time on it. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm going to go because I know who you're going to go with. So I will, I, I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to pander. Not, not to be confused with slander. I'm going to pander. <laughs> I just slander. I'm going to pander now to the to the 49ers fan base, and I'm going to give them the good goat award for showing up in mass, in force mm-hmm. at SoFi Stadium on Sunday. Debo Samuel said it after the game that he felt like the Rams were pumping in noise because there was no way there was that much noise from the Rams fans because there were so many 49ers fans there. And I kind of agree with him. I was actually thinking that during the game, like, boy, they're really doing this who's house thing extra loud and kind of obnoxiously. Um, and then Matthew Stafford, I didn't see that until the day after the game, came out and said that they had trouble. It was, they were trying to communicate in a tough environment. There was a home game. It was supposed to be a home game. So, uh, I mean, that's a tough that's environment. That's amazing. That's, yeah, that's not, not great when you're about to go into the playoffs and you're a Rams team that is, you know, has a chance to win the division and, and all that in front of your home fans. But uh, clearly they weren't in front of their home fans, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of props mm-hmm. to the 49ers fans for showing up and showing out. I have a feeling, even in Dallas, that we're going to see a lot of red again. Um, and 49ers fans are clearly, uh, in 2020, couldn't travel, couldn't go to games and stuff. They are trying to make up for lost time. So uh, that is my pandering good go to work. Like, 
And you know what? I I go back to the Jacksonville game, and that was they always travel well. But I looked around that stadium, and like Jacksonville isn't also that easy to get to, and there is a oh. lot of red in here. So, uh, props to the faithful, as they are called. And my good goat of the week is James Richard Garoppolo for all the reasons that I said earlier. Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo really did have a career-defining moment on Sunday, and I'm going to give him my good goat of the week and also um, helped out his former teammate, the actual goat, because gave the Bucks the number two seed, and they seemed pretty happy about that. So that was just nice all around. So that is my good goat of the week. That is what we have for today's The Tracy Sandler Show. Nick, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. You're welcome back. Anytime you'd like. I don't know. I don't know about that. (laughs) Oh, come on. Yeah, you're going to go back and listen. Like, oh, his bad goat explanation was terrible or whatever. (laughs) No, definitely. I definitely won't think that, especially because I agree with you. Maybe if I disagreed with you, but not because I agree with you. Uh, If you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and make sure to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And I'll talk to everybody on Friday. Bye, all thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.